Hi, everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host, Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I am fantastic, but I am very skeptical that this is actually Robbie. I'm going to need some proof, like DNA testing. That's what, that's what I'll require. I, I, before we started this, I was literally talking about a, pod, a radio play podcast starring cats. I don't like, I could not be more on brand. You know, that's true. I, I believe you. I mean podcasts involving cats are the most Robbie thing there's ever been. If a pod person has imitated me, they did their homework. Also, actually, a even more Robbie podcast would be the cat podcast where they're reviewing the Grumpy Cat comic, and they hate it. So, you know. We already, I already did that in Handsome Boys. <laughs> of course you did. Of course. <laughs> uh, we are joined. Me and Matt are not alone. For this journey into skepticism, we are joined by Andrew Bloom of the andrewblog.net once again to talk about The Simpsons with us. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing great, Robbie, and thank you guys for having me back once again, despite my controversial and, let's face it, profane open letter to the Black Angus Corporation. <laughs> is, is, Black, is that a real restaurant or that Simpsons made that up? No, that's that a is a, a real restaurant. Oh, okay, I've never heard of it. Pat Oswalt has a bit about it. Come on, Robbie. I don't. I've kind of. It's kinda, an old bit. Like if you if you uh, heard any Pat Oswalt, I've heard a lot of Pat Oswalt, but I don't. I miss the Black Angus. Regardless, hey, we are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You support us by going to Patreon.com/slash The Simpson Show for only charge a month, gain access to all of our bonus content. Uh, we have some people to thank, Matt. You mean the best people in the world? All right, I do. Uh, first, Dylan Bozik. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. Max Power. If that is... Oh my God, the Max Power! I know. Oh my goodness, he's a, now the... I'm terrified with happiness. Thank you, Max. Snap, you strap in and feel the G's. That's right. And finally, <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Cini, Cini, one of the two. Daniel, thank you very much. Whichever Daniel, thank you. Whichever Daniel you are, we thank you very much. This week's episode is Lisa the Skeptic, episode five F O five, originally aired November twenty third, nineteen ninety seven, written by David S. Now X Cohen. Directed by Neil Affleck. Finished 37th in the ratings. New opening rating of 9.5. Approximately 9.3 million viewing households. The third highest rated show on Fox. Third highest rated show on Fox this week. Fo- uh, following, not surprise, The X-Files and King of the Hill. Hey, at least that's not Melrose Place or 90210. I think they were kind of winding down by 97. Late 97, I would assume. I don't know. Melrose Place was still fairly fresh, but it didn't go as many seasons as 90210. So they may have hit rock bottom right with each other. For a show you've supposedly never watched in a test, Matt, you seem to know a lot about them. I've never seen it. Never. Ever. Ever. Don't love it with a deep secret passion. No, that's actually true. I, I was a Buffy person, not a uh, 90210 or uh, Melrose Place. Do they really... It's the right I, choice. I don't think they... Do they occupy... They only occupy the same space, though. They totally do. They're all about teenagers. Well, Melrose Place is not really about There's teenagers. There's no it's vampires in Melrose Place, Matt. That's what made Buffy better. <laughs> okay. And vampires. You, you also don't know that, Robbie. Have you watched Melrose Place? Maybe it was all about vampires. I've watched every episode. I love it. That's your wow. next podcast, the Melrose <laughs> <Okay>. Place cast. <laughs> I haven't watched any of it. <laughs> uh, Why would you? The chalkboard gag. I will not tease Fatty. That's just, con- I mean, yeah, don't do that. That's mean. That's a, That's especially mean. You should you should not tease people for you know their body shape. You should tease them for the hilarious beliefs they have. <laughs> that's the real moral of this episode. That's gonna that's on your that's on your tombstone, Matt. That's gonna be that's, really that's the, the the thing you'll be remembered for. The couch gag. 
the living room is a sauna with three men in towels relaxing. The Simpsons arrive and then leave sheepishly when they see it's occupied. <laughs> it's, it's a... Well, it's rude to overfill the sauna. Come on, everyone knows that. I mean, but then you... I mean, frankly, it is more efficient with more people inside. That's true. I mean, with that much body heat, it's it's not that hard to, you know, keep the temperature up. Yeah. And the humidity. A nice, high. efficient schwitz is a beautiful thing. Yeah, with enough people, you don't even need water or fire. You just need people in a confined space. It'll start to sweat. Yeah. Uh, the episode guest stars Stephen J. Gould as himself and Phil Hartman as Lionel Hutz. A very, very bit part. I mean, frankly, both of their parts are relatively small, but Lionel Hutz is in one scene, I think. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he's actually in two scenes. Uh, he's in the scene where Lisa confronts the developers to ask for the archaeological dig in the first place, and then he's at the dig when they find the angel, and uh, he cites the case uh, Finders versus Keepers. Oh, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> Episode begins with uh, Chief Wiggum revealing uh, to us uh, a, 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 a scheme, I think. Is that a fair assessment? A scheme to... I, I I think is this entrapment? I think this is entrapment. I would assume it is entrapment, essentially. No, it's not entrapment because they're not enticing them to commit crimes. They're just catching them for crimes that they've already committed. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That's actually a good point. Sure, yeah. Sure. But Wiggum isn't trying to wrangle a lot of Springfield's criminals by giving them boats. I mailed these bogus prize certificates to every scoff lot in Springfield. When they show up there free motorboats, we arrest them and beat them to the full extent of the law. <laughs> so the hook is baited, huh? <laughs> nice metaphor, Eddie. Yeah, good work, Annie. Up, up and away in my beautiful, my beautiful motorboat. Da, 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 da. But we didn't enter any police raffle. That doesn't matter. The important thing is we won. I don't know. There's something very peculiar about this. Sheesh! You're the most paranoid family I've ever been affiliated with. Maybe it's something a little bit suspicious. Just a tiny bit. So, my question. Uh, this is a little early, but I, this kind of cold open here, of it really has no bearing on the rest of the episode whatsoever. But it seems to be more interesting than the kind of cold opens they have in more recent seasons. Would you agree, Robbie? Um, I don't, I mean, it's, it's pleasant enough. I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to like argue. I, I, I guess it, it, I remember it. Like I, 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 I don't, I don't think I replace it specifically in this episode, but of course I, I remember, oh yeah, the motorboat thing, the free motorboats and Homer goes and snakes there and all that stuff. <laughs> I remember that. I don't remember it. Like I don't place it in this episode because like you said, it is tangential. It is completely – it is just a thing to start the episode with to lead us into the actual plot. But I don't know if it's better. Yeah. I don't know, I guess. Well, I'm just wondering because we, we seem to have taken a lot of you know more recent episodes in the past couple of seasons to task for having openings that have nothing to do with the episode whatsoever. And this – doesn't feel maybe it's because this is actually funny. Maybe that's the big difference. I don't know. I just I thought it was an interesting parallel. Yeah, I think that's the point. Is it's a funny little vignette. It's quick. It's punchy, and then you just sort of get into the meat of the episode without taking up too much real estate. I think that helps. Yeah, it's true. It being quick, I think, is one of the most important parts. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I. I. I don't mind it being like an a, the the opening being completely unrelated to the plot. 
as long as it's fast and it's funny and it's right. both of those things. So I don't really, I don't really care. I mean, I, I appreciate the motorboat, uh, and the fact that Homer Semele wants one because it's free. Snake is there. He cuts in line just so he can get arrested first, arrested and beaten first. <laughs> Which Homer witnesses, or at least hears. Well, yeah, and Homer... And is undeterred in his enthusiasm. Well, that's a different guy. Come on. I'm here for the free motorboats. What are you... (laughs) Well, to be fair, he knew that Snake was as well. Homer's just like, hey, he must have gotten his free motorboat after his beating. Snake is not... I mean, after Homer gets beat up and pays the money, he expects his boat. I think... Exactly. Nothing to... He's like, I have this coupon. That's what that means. Uh, Homer also gets arrested. Apparently, they... I guess Wigan was casting a very wide net because we have Snake who has I'm at least attempted murder. I'm I don't know if he's actually killed anyone officially, but he has definitely attempted to kill people. And Homer just has unpaid parking tickets. And only $175 worth. I can't imagine that is worth any policeman's time. <laughs> I, well, I like the the detail that he has more parking tickets than the value of the parking tickets. Like, he's got, what, 273 tickets totaling $173 in fines? So they're each for less than a dollar, or most of them are, like, warnings, I guess. (laughs) Uh, So Homer writes a check so he doesn't get arrested, because I... I mean, it's Springfield. You have to just kind of let the... The law in Springfield is not necessarily normal in any way. (laughs) Well, that's for sure. Uh, but exactly how the justice system works. Yeah, right? exactly. Like a documentary. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Homer leaves and he won't explain to the family why he doesn't have a boat. Dad, why aren't you saying anything? Where's our motorboat? I didn't like it. The mast had termites. Why would our motorboat have a mast? Because the thingy was shut up. <laughs> I I had I like that little the thingy. Was shut <laughs> up. I I Homer's de- defensiveness. I had to I had to get it. Um. But they, they're driving back home, sans motorboat, and uh, they notice that there is a new mall being built, and uh, Lisa wants to complain about it. Ooh, there's that new mega mall they're building. They say the air conditioner will be more powerful than a million hydrogen bombs. Hey, they can't just build a parking lot on Sabertooth Meadow. That's where they discovered all those fossils. Fossils, schmossels. You can't stop progress because of some moldy old bones. Bones, schmones. But they might be paving over rare specimens. Pull over so we can complain, Dad. Come on, who wants to complain with me? Fine. I'll come back later. Who wants to come back with me? Fine. <laughs> Poor Elisa. No, no one will ever get uh, up in arms about the things she wants to get up in arms about. I just love Yardley Smith's line read of the the resignation of the first fine and then excited once more and then the even more resignation on the last fine. It's just perfect line read from her. It, I, I don't, I don't think, I, I, I this feels very much like the, you know, uh, Bart Starr, Lisa, where she is going to be on the football team and then, I, like, it feels like there is a, a, the writers have written into her another layer of like I always picture Lisa as very earnest and sometimes that earnestness can be annoying in her activism like in Lisa the Vegetarianism Lisa and the Lisa the Lisa Lisa the Vegetarian we got you I'm talking hard Uh, 
like sometimes her earnestness can be annoying. And I, I feel like this is like along those lines in Bar Star where it's just like she's like there's some like layer of artifice there. Am I alone? Do you guys see this at all? You know what I'm talking about? I think about? she's earnest about this. I think she really is upset that they're paving over a place where fossils might be. It, it seems true to what her concerns would be. And I, maybe she takes some glee in getting to do that. Or maybe she's just trying to be extra energetic to get the family on board with it. But it doesn't feel out of character or like she's straining to find something to complain about. Well, I mean, I don't. the word complain is the thing. I think I, I I am nitpicking at the word choice because it feels very much like she it feels like the writers are aware that there is this image of Lisa as this activist and that they are playing into like and I think this episode in general plays into that not just the specific scene I like I don't I don't think that necessarily she does she does want to protect fossils that is a very nerdy Lisa thing to want to do. It's more like this kind of like idea that she's also like, who wants to go complain? I'm like, that's I if like real, like real activists, real protesters, people who are really upset wouldn't. I don't think that word feels like there's like an awareness of this image of Lisa as being this annoying activist, and they're just trying to build that into her character, and it continues for. Well- the early, like, the next, like, th- few seasons, and I don't, I've always kind of resented it. See, I, I, it feels more like Lisa, this this aspect of Lisa's character is she enjoys stirring the pot, or raking muck, as it were. Uh, she just, she really enjoys pushing back against people whose interests are the opposite of hers. Now, obviously, people who are, you know, digging through an, archeo- an old archaeological dig to put in a mall are not, they're against her interests, and she enjoys you know, getting to show them, you know, who she is. And I think that's a very little kid thing to do. She's basically putting out there, you know, who she is. This is her way of, you know, demonstrating her personality. And I, I definitely understand where you're coming from, but I don't think this is a particularly bad example. There will be some. I know that there will be, especially the next couple of seasons. But I don't feel like this one is particularly egregious, but it's on its way. <laughs> Muck, raking muck, as it were. You're mm-hmm. you're good, man. I like you. <laughs> Giving a new name to yellow journalism. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, well, Lisa does come back with her lawyer, Lionel Hutz. I guess she keeps uh, him on retainer, perhaps, with Apple Cores. Yeah, so I can't remember <laughs> that costs a whole lot. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, a half-consumed Orange Julius. Yes, exactly. <laughs> hey, I mean, Orange Julius is pretty good. If you say so. You don't like orange Julius, Matt? I've never had one that I actually enjoyed. In theory, they're a great idea, but I'll just mix diet orange soda and orange sherbet in a in a, a mug and call that good. Okay, what about strawberry Julius? You know, I've never had one, but that sounds amazing. You know, it's like you know, have, I will same. have to find a Dairy Queen in a mall to try that. No, 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 that's the don't go to the Dairy Queen. You gotta go to the Orange Julius for it. Uh, Dairy Queen bought Orange Julius. It's the only place to find it anymore. There's still standalone Orange Juliuses. They not still... anywhere in Florida. Well, that's let's see. I gotta come and visit me, Matt. Oh, do you have a standalone Orange Julius? There's an Orange Julius store in the mall. Yeah, really. Hmm. It is the second well, largest mall in North America. So yes, it has a standalone Orange Julius. Well, I will wait until the weather gets absolutely unbearable here and come visit you. Yes. So we got another the Orange Julius. Nine, nine months from now. Yep. <laughs> okay. That's good. Uh, we can plan that out. Or Orange Julius field trip. 
the developers, they agree, although it's immediately shady why they agree to let Lisa dig. Uh, so, you know, obviously, I mean, the seeds are already planted that this could potentially be a hoax. I do well, like that they They're doing it, it for publicity. Right. What are you saying, Andrew? I see, I do like that they set it up early. My memory of this episode was that the reveal about the the mini mall sort of felt like it came out of nowhere at the end, but they do a good job of actually laying the groundwork for it to to be what's really happening here. Yeah, I don't I I, I don't think the audience is I like that's it's probably a probably a little I think a failing of the episode in that it it never like the audience us we are never like it's never Obviously, this is not an actual angel skeleton that makes... There are many problems with with that. Uh, and it, I don't know. Robert, like, are you telling me all the citizens of Springfield that aren't Lisa are stupid? <laughs> yes. I mean, yes, I am exactly oh, okay. saying well, that. Good. But, I mean, I, you know, I think that's part of the problem. Uh, Andrew, in your review, you mentioned that. Like, it builds up... Like, it makes everyone so colossally stupid... That you can't ever go like, oh, that make yeah, I can side, I understand. Like, in in there's there are various Simpsons episodes that do you know test various measures of faith, and they do it very that you know they do it in a very successful way, like uh, Homer the Heretic or Bart sells his soul. Like both of those, they aren't necessarily engaging in a specific religion or something, but they do engage in spiritual and 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 faith. And you, I I never go. You know, and Bart is trying to reclaim his soul, you know, on the, in that night. It's never necessarily like, oh, has really Bart lost his soul? But it's never, they never give you like a direct answer. Like, no, actually Bart did, his soul was stolen and we, he has, he's literally going to get it back. But in this, it is literally like, there is a lot of things that are like kind of farcical in this, the mob of Springfield believing in this angel skeleton. It makes it kind of a, it doesn't, there's no debate happening. You know, it is not, it, it kind of loses a little bit of focus, I think. Yeah, especially because a lot of the characters you would expect to kind of push back don't really like Dr. Hibbert maybe would push back a little bit. He obviously doesn't here, but where's Professor Frank? Where's Principal Skinner? I mean, you'd think they would at least, you know, have a, a mildly dissenting voice and, and none of them even say a word at this like this could have been a completely different episode where you have uh the citizens of springfield splitting up along the science or religion side and you know obviously that would make it a very different episode but it'd be one i'd like to see yeah instead we just get lisa versus a mob of idiots and there it's not like there's no potential in that but it's hard to feel like there's somebody to root for exactly i mean i guess you're rooting for lisa but it doesn't feel like there's a real conflict there it just feels like yeah, there's Lisa, who's clearly right. This clearly is not actually an angel. And then you have a bunch of people who are just absolute dunces who refuse to listen to her and are cartoonishly, one-dimensionally uh, opposed to any science or empiricism whatsoever. Yeah, and, like, I am fully on board with the Springfield mob being complete, completely stupid and doing a lot of dumb things. But usually you have a couple voices of reason that are are in the middle somewhere. And when you put Lisa as one end, it basically, you have kind of like Marge is the only person in this episode. That's kind of in the middle, like closer, closer to reason than the entirety of the town aside from them. Cause everyone oh, else. Well, 
To be fair, you also have Homer, who is uh, not bothering with either end of this argument and just trying to make money off of it. Well, yeah, of course. You need that good Homer. It's the that American is a good way. Homer to write. You need fifty. You need the. You need those fifty cents a pop uh, to yeah. to see the angel and the angel ashtrays. Yes. Uh, so uh, Lisa calls in a favor with Principal Skinner, uh, and they. Uh, so this the school is sent to the dig, both as a reward and punishment. All the smart kids, it's a reward. All the and this bat- is why the smart kids will learn that archaeological digs are not fun places, even if they are nerdy places. <laughs> um, it's such a great there, A pile of corporalites. Yay! That's what I wanted to dig up today in the hot sun. Uh, I I did pull a lot here, but I did pull Ralph at the dig, because it's amazing. Yes. <laughs> Prince Skipper Skipple! Prince Skipper I found something! <laughs> That's your trial blade, Ralph. It fell off the handle. And I found it! Okay, everyone, back to work. You never know when we might uncover a Tyrannosaurus. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know this is from the 90s. We have much cooler dinosaurs now. Oh, Matt, come on. There's no one. You're not getting over name recognition of a T-Rex. Come on. No, but I mean, come on. There's a Titanosaurus. That's what I want to dig up. Nope. No one's going to know what that, that is. That is a Titano hipster. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm too cool to <laughs> appreciate the I'm popular dinosaur. My bad. Oh, you like the Velociraptor? <laughs> it's like, you Nin- know they're only like three feet tall, right? 1995 <laughs> is calling. That's not even the Triceratops' real hat. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, jeez. You broke, Matt. Good job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, the, the, day is, the day is waning. Uh, light is, is leaving, and they found basically nothing except for the, the Ralph's trowel. But just before they're going to leave, of course, Lisa discovers something. Uh, and what could it be? What is it, Lisa? It looks like a human skeleton, but these other bones look almost like wings. You mean like an angel? Well, obviously that's impossible. Lisa's right, it's an angel! <gasps> now that's interesting. So Lisa digs up an, <laughs> an angel skeleton. I, I have to say, I angel. love the, the kind of gag where somebody like denies something or, or thumpers about it, and somebody responds like, yeah, she's right, it's that thing. <laughs> They've... Yeah, it's it is a uh, I can recall multiple episodes I think that have done this exact use that exact same uh that exact uh, what I believe even in Mars vs. the Monorail yeah they they use sure, that Sure, we could put all our eggs in one basket. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh so Lisa has uncovered the the skeleton. It is clearly the skeleton of an angel and we go to commercial. And when we come back, uh, we have Lisa attempt to give a explanation for what it actually is. Uh, she basically suggests that it's a Neanderthal, sorry, Neanderthal uh, that has been bitten on the arms by angry fish and died. Um, so, yeah, when they say she's straight to do some explaining, yes, yes, she is. Uh, but her second uh, proposal that it is a mutant from the nuclear plant gets a interesting response from Mr. Burns. Oh, I gotta say, Lisa, it sounds like you're straining to do some explaining. Yeah, everyone's heard of angels, but who's ever heard of a Neanderthal? (laughs) It could be anything. It could be a mutant from the nuclear plant. Oh, fiddle-faddle. Everyone knows our mutants have flippers. 
Oops, I've said too much. <clears throat> Smithers used the amnesia ray. You mean the revolver, sir? Precisely. Be sure to wipe your own memory clear when you're finished. Yep, make sure to wipe your own memory clear. <laughs> it's effective. Yeah, always yeah, works. Yeah. Well, you see, the most important thing about angel skeletons and archaeological finds in general is deciding who owns it. Uh, so they go to uh, Lionel Hutz, uh, who basically says, hey, uh, we'll have to, we'll, sort, we'll cite the case of finder versus keepers. And in the meantime, Homer just takes it <laughs> because that's what Homer does. Somehow he has gotten it out of the ground and roped to his car. And he just drives <laughs> off with it. And everyone just seems to accept that because that's the kind of what place Springfield is. Oh, Homer got it first. I guess it's his. It what happens happened? very quickly. Yeah. I, I guess he gets a Marge to help him. And this is this is bodybuilder Marge in this case. They, just, they lift it up. So, you know, that obviously can't be a rock because, you know, real fossils are rocks. So there's no way Homer could have actually lifted that. But we'll I mean, just go with it. Their first I mean, they, yeah, were, right? they were dragging it. He was dragging. He's dragging it through his house, so it can't weigh that much. You know, he was moving yeah, it around exactly. by himself. So clearly, it is is uh, not that heavy, and it's Homer. You know, he he he's had a lot of experience. I feel like with awkwardly roping things to the roof of his car. That is true. That's that's what Homer Dell likes to do. <laughs> Grand pianos. Mm-hmm. Look yeah. at that asphalt fly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. Anyway, uh, Homer is able to get it home, and as Robbie said, he drags it into the house to put in his safe deposit closet. Come on. Come on, Angel. What are you doing with that? I'm locking it up in my safe deposit closet with my other valuables. I'll just leave it in here a few years and let it appreciate in value. It's probably a million years old, Dad. I think it's as valuable as it's going to get. <laughs> That's what they said about this billy beer, smarty pants. Uh, we elected the wrong Carter. I'm sure in Homer's eyes we did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, now that Homer has what, what, stashed... We're not going to talk there. about billy beer, Matt? Or the safe I deposit the closet? I mean, I, I think everyone has a safe deposit closet. But the stuff What's that's practice? inside... I don't have a list of what's inside. I know it's several callbacks to previous episodes. You've got the, the itchy and scratchy robot heads. You've got his uh, Colonel Homer hat, his um, town crier hat, his Grammy, his bag of sugar from his exciting sugar escapade. I need to write these down and store them in a document somewhere for someone Robbie asked me this question in trivia. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Sparkle, <laughs> Mr. Sparkle box, boxing gloves. Astronaut uh, helmet. I think his Mr. Plow Jacket is there. Mr. Plow Jacket is there. A couple other things that are basically unidentifiable because they're so small. I'm sure they were important to one of the animators. <laughs> or, it's a treasure trove of Easter eggs. Yeah. Treasure trove. It is, it is an, it's a nice little callback. But I think everyone has their own safe deposit closet. They just don't call it that, perhaps. Yes, some of us call it a display case where we uh, highlight our interests. No, 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 Matt. My my display case is uh is front and center. It is not hidden anywhere. Oh, really, Robbie? What do you have in your safe deposit closet? My safe deposit closet? Um, comic books, art, uh, some peacock feathers. Um, why do you have peacock feathers? <laughs> do you want to hear this story? Sure. Why not? Okay. Uh, my wife and I, when we were still living in Orlando, we would go on walks 
at night, you know, through through, through uh, the little area that we lived in. The neighborhood is very pretty, very nice, as it was getting cooler. Uh, and one day, we were walking down the street, and uh, there we passed a house that had multiple peacocks out in front. And we were like... Just hanging out like you do. Well, we were like, wow, peacocks, that's cool. And uh, we got closer, and as we got closer, we realized that there was a man feeding the peacocks. And the man engaged us in conversation, and we discovered that he raises peacocks. And then he led us on a tour of his house and the backyard, and we got pictures with some of his peacocks, and he gave us some feathers that he had. Well, that was awfully nice of him. Uh, he was a very nice man. He w- seemed very lonely. Aw, that seems to happen when men live by themselves. I mean, he also had... Oh, there was other... He had other animals, too, that weren't just... Weren't, he didn't just have peacocks, but peacocks were definitely the most notable thing. He also had, like, a million different kinds of plants growing in his backyard. Uh, he was... Wow. I would worry about what was in his safe deposit closet. <laughs> I He's one of those Lots people of that their entire house is a safe deposit closet. He doesn't have... And their yard, apparently. Yeah, he doesn't... He didn't really limit it to just a closet space. He kind of was was freely just hey everything i have is that kind of thing uh he's he was nice though he wasn't he was uh, i he was just on the other side of a little creepy you know if it was a oh he was a couple degrees off of that he was a nice he he seemed like he had good intentions he was just sure so he just say uh, you know let, let you feed the peacocks and went on your way it would be less creepy i mean yeah anyone i i I don't want to say that he, I don't think he wanted to, like, make us feel bad or any way. I think he was just lonely, and it likes to talk to people, and the most interesting thing about him is that he has lots of peacocks, so that's what we learned about. Oh, the things you learn about when you walk through random neighborhoods. That's, you asked me. All right, fair enough. Remember, kids, always talk to strangers. But not for too long. I mean, it, 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 if you talk for too long, it gets weird. There were two of us. <laughs> He's an old man. I could, t- I could have taken him if I needed to. Sorry. <laughs> well, thank. Until you stick the peacocks on you, obviously. I don't think the peacocks were really following any kind of orders or commands. I feel like they were definitely sure, like he, he could have thrown food on you, and you would have been dinner. I guess that's true. He could have thrown. He was feeding them cat food. Interesting. It has it has all the nutrients I think they needed. I don't think they sell oh, peacock that's... food at the store. Fair enough. He also had cats. I bet they got along real well with the peacocks. I mean, they're just... The peacocks are so much bigger, I don't think the cats really cared. Probably. Anyway, now that I asked, uh, we can move on to... Uh, wh- now that we're done with safe deposit closets, everyone wants to see the angel back in the Simpsons episode we were doing, in case what? you guys forgot. What are you uh, talking about? This is about peacocks. This is a peacock uh, podcast, right? It's a peacock. Oh, uh, man, uh, am I in the uh, wrong place? Yeah. Sorry, guys. See ya. <laughs> it's like, it's, remember those kind of nightmares where you go to school and you don't have any pants on? It's like that, except you prepared for a Simpsons podcast and you started recording a peacock podcast. Well, huh. All right. I'll see you guys later. I guess I'll, I'll go work on the other podcast. No, no, Matt. We need, we, we need you. Oh, oh, okay. Well, fair enough. All right. Anyway, everyone wants to see the angel. The Flanders has stopped by uh, to pray with the blessed angel and are turned away by Homer yelling at them from the couch. Uh, that Agnes stops by to rub her foot for good luck for during her foot surgery. Homer once again turns her away. Uh, and it's only when Lenny offers to pay a buck to see the angel that Homer realizes the profit potential and begins charging 50 cents to see the angel. 
because Homer doesn't work well with money anyway. By the way, that crowd assembles really fast after Agnes leaves. Well, they they were all waiting in the driveway. That's that's <laughs> what it was. <laughs> they just wanted to go out one time, one at a time, so they wouldn't overwhelm the Simpsons. And they were like, "Nuts to this! This isn't working." <laughs> yeah, Mom we have justice. to push our way through. It's the only thing Springfield's good at. <laughs> uh, so while everyone is paying 50 cents to see the angel Lisa has objections because she wants Homer to not call it an angel to which Homer replies that he doesn't call it an angel despite in several places and the uh, back around music calling it an angel several times uh, Lisa decides to actually test it because you know that's that's how science works you, you test things uh, so she goes to the nearby Natural History Museum where they have a live whale uh, hanging from the ceiling that they have to keep dry, keep wet <laughs> Which uh, probably takes a lot of time and effort, but hey, it's it's a museum. They're, they must be just awash in spare money. That's the way museums work, I guess. Have you guys been to the, the Natural History Museum in New York and seen I, the big I, whale they have? It is fantastic. If I had not it's been horrifically sick that day, I would have enjoyed it even more. <laughs> I can see how that would put a damper on looking at a giant a whale. But that just means I have to see it again when I go back. So, shucks, I have to go to the Natural History Museum twice. I must, that's just the worst. Anyway, yeah, uh, Lisa takes the piece of the angel to Stephen Jay Gould, uh, a real life scientist, shocking, uh, who guests as himself. Uh, he, he offers to do the test for her, no problem. Uh, and when Lisa tells him that she doesn't have any money, he responds that he'll just take whatever she's, she has. Because I'm assuming these tests are expensive. So hey, I this I don't I don't like the, I don't like Gould in this episode. No, he he comes off Alf as kind of a jerk, and, and scientists shouldn't well, be jerks, and completely unnecessary. Well, yeah, she could have just handed it to Frank or somebody. He, he didn't really need to guess. It does feel like David X Cohen or somebody behind the scenes was like, "Oh, it would be cool to have Stephen Jay Gould in an episode where we're talking about science and skepticism," but nobody actually came up with anything notable or worthwhile for him to do. Yeah. For no reason, yeah. here's Stephen Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> he Very had, accurate. Well, uh, the, apparently, he had the role was just for a generic scientist, and then they were able to get Gould, so they did. Which that I really like to see him come back for a better episode. Well, I mean, I think that it that is in and of itself like we. As the show ages, like it is a sticking point a lot of times that celebrities kind of appear and there's really no reason for them. And they are, don't have it's not like they have a unique role or anything. They are often playing themselves and they are often add nothing, you know, for, and they add nothing to the episode. And this, I think, is squarely in there. Like, I, I like Stephen Jay Gould well enough, but it's not not like his he was necessary for this because he doesn't change the plot. It could be just a generic scientist where Frank could fill in. He's just a celebrity for and hey, we got this acclaimed scientist. Okay, cool. Eh. It's like yeah, maybe maybe you should have saved him for an episode where he can make an actual contribution besides uh, supposed to do a test. And coming it. back with fake test results and not actually having done the test. Yeah, and there's not even, <laughs> there's not even like, a, like there's no punchline there either, which we'll get to. But no, that's kind of that's disappointing. Really yeah. I mean, it, it could so, work if you made him a part of the plot rather than something that, if anything, just makes the plot more confusing and more nonsensical. 
Yeah, like if they had gone with my idea for this episode where it's, you know, the defenders of science versus the defenders of religion, he could have been, you know, the leader of the science side. And that would have been interesting. But, you know, it's just a celebrity cameo like they do in regular sitcoms. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Lisa tells the throngs of people waiting for to see the angel that she has taken it for tests and they get upset uh, and Stephen Jake will runs up and tells Lisa that the tests were inconclusive and uh, I, he has to use the bathroom as well. Uh, that's why he was running, apparently. Uh, Homer uh, continues to profit uh, by saying that it's an angel and everyone is, is very excited to continue believing it. Uh, he starts selling angel glow sticks uh, because you can't get into heaven without a glow stick. And so Flanders has to buy as many as possible. Well, uh, I mean, Lisa, Flanders only buys four. He's not. It's not like he's greedy, Matt. He has. Four, he has to four. start with. He buys four. I'm sure he went back for more. Why? Who? I mean, how else is, does? Is it, it just his immediate family? Doesn't yeah. he have any extended family? Look how many Flanders is there are. Does he not want to, them to get into heaven? They can buy their own damn clothes too. Yeah, exactly. Come on. <laughs> Flanders isn't made of money since the Leftorium went downhill. <laughs> hey, Leftorium's doing fine. I'm sure. Uh huh. Leftopolis is eating their lunch. Come on, we uh, all know that. Leftopolis, uh, there, <laughs> there's a scandal in Leftopolis. Someone was embezzling money. They shut down. Left Leftorium is doing great now. Uh huh. Okay. Fair enough. Fair You're, enough. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We all believe you, Robbie. We really do. Hey, I I am rep- I report only verifiable fact. Lisa is obviously upset that the test didn't work, and she basically slams the door, runs inside, and commiserates with Marge. Ah, those morons make me so angry. Maybe so, but I'd appreciate it if you didn't call them morons. But they are morons. What grown person could believe in angels? Well, your mother, for one. You? But you're an intelligent person, Mom. There has to be more to life than just what we see, Lisa. Everyone needs something to believe in. It's not that I don't have a spiritual side. I just find it hard to believe there's a dead angel hanging in our garage. <sighs> My poor Lisa. If you can't make a leap of faith now and then, well, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> don't feel sorry for me, Mom. I feel sorry for you. So, I, I have some thoughts about this particular interaction. Uh, you're not uh, the only one, Matt. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm pretty sure we all will. <laughs> well, let's, let's get this out of the way first. The most important thing that I think comes from this exchange is that afterward, nobody called anybody else a moron in any high-profile way ever again. <laughs> yes. This solved all of the problems with people believing in outside of science. That's well, this. Well, that's what this exchange brought to the table. My my problem with it is... Well, okay. My, one of, my first biggest problem with it is... It's not, this is not a discussion if Marge believes that the fossil that is in their garage is an angel. It is, does Marge believe in angels, the the concept of spiritual creatures sent by God to help or hurt people? Mostly hurt. Well, yeah, it depends what kind of, what part of the Bible you're reading. Uh, uh, yeah. But, parts like, of the Bible I like and parts I don't like. <laughs> it, like, th- that it is... This is it is a peripheral discussion. Marge is Marge is smarter than to believe that a one Marge is the most religious member, most religious member of the Simpsons family. Very and much so. I'm fairly certain Marge would re- would know. Hey, angels aren't corporeal. Angels are 
they don't have skeletons. You can't. It, it doesn't work like that. And they wouldn't leave. And what? And like an angel would have to one die and have a skeleton for this to be an actual angel. And I think Marge is smarter than that. And so, well, what you're saying is that obviously angels are aliens. That's what we're going with here. Oh. Yes, uh, meme alien, ancient alien dude, right here, aliens. <laughs> uh, it, no, it's just if the episode is not like the episode turn. Like I think the best part of this episode is this Lisa Marge stuff. It is the like it is their kind of confrontation about Lisa, you know, having difficulty in quote unquote leaps of faith. But that's not what the rest of the episode is about. The rest of the episode yeah, like, it, it, is about an angel skeleton and the rest and the town believing that it's true. It's not a it, yeah. Well, if if this had been basically an, an episode about something else, and this uh, this conversation came up, you know, if it was more about you know religion versus you know non-religion uh, in this particular case, that would have been fine. It's just that. Marge shouldn't believe that that's an angel. <laughs> like, it makes her out to be even dumber than, you know, Lisa thinks she is for believing in angels in, in, one, in you know, the abstract. Yeah, I think that's the big problem with this, is what they want to do is good. They want to send this idea out there that even if you are a generally skeptical person, there should be an idea of tolerance, an idea of making room for believing in things beyond uh, what we see, which I think even... People like me who tend to fall more into Lisa's camp, I think, can jibe with. The other side of the coin is what is actually going on doesn't in any way corroborate or help that point. If it's a question of belief versus non-belief, that's a thorny, difficult, multifaceted issue. If it's a question of whether that big hunk of rock that is covered in uh, Christmas lights and a fig leaf in the garage is actually an angel. That's an absurd detail to hinge whether or not somebody can justifiably be skeptical on. Yeah, I mean, I I really in, okay. This is the problem with a lot of conversations that are about skepticism in general. Uh, and I kind of wish Stephen Jay Gould had been involved in this conversation. Is that Lisa is not really helping anything by basically saying that Marge is crazy. She's basically belittling Marge's beliefs. And, you know, that's not very helpful. In this particular case, she's right, because obviously that is not an angel. I mean, that is either fake or something weird. Uh, so it kind of disguises what... Yeah. <laughs> By the way, in case you guys hadn't watched the episode, it's not a real angel. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm going to say things that episodes that happened 20 years ago, I'm gonna say uh, there you're allowed to spoil it. I don't think you're you think you had, you had your chance to watch Lisa the Skeptic <laughs> over the past twenty years. It's all right if you you know. Or you know when you dialed up this episode, like there should have been some hint that maybe we would discuss spoilers. <laughs> Perhaps true, true. Um, but basically, if this were supposed to be a a good conversation where Lisa and Marge, you know, kind of talk it out, Lisa should be like, look. It's fine if you believe in angels. I, I mean, obviously, that's not the tack she was going to take because the whole that, that negates the conflict. But this is obviously not one. Like there are two different conversations they can have, and they conflate them, which makes no one happy for any reason. Yeah, it just makes Lisa out to be a jerk. Well, in I bring up Lisa the vegetarian again because that is an, I think that is the one where it goes that the end result of that is yes, you are right, but also you're never going to convert anyone by being a jerk. Marge is smarter than the rest of the mob, but yet she, and the, my, that's my other 
bigger uh, other problem is it's easy to forget sometimes you know Lisa often is so much smarter than her age but Marge is her mother and I don't think she would be like oh I feel sorry for you that's you wouldn't talk to an eight-year-old girl like that I don't care how smart she is that's your... true that, that, that's you you would try yeah, to remiss her or if, yeah what are you saying, Andrew? Yeah, it's it sounds false, just in terms of dialogue that a mother would have with her her eight year old child. Now, to your point, like you have to think that Lisa reads a bit older than she actually is, and that they are speaking more as peers. But yeah, when you step back and think about it, it does take you out of the moment. It feels more like a conversation she would have with an adult than with her daughter. Yeah, and that's the other thing I have when. Like, it ties back into my earlier complaint about Lisa having, like, this kind of little bit of shell of, of like, try, I, I don't know, the writer's trying to, like, write in that she can be annoying with her activism. It's also this shell of, oh, well, we can just treat Lisa like she's an adult because she's really smart. And I yeah. don't, I, I, like, the charm of Lisa is that she is a, a little girl that is super intelligent and is very earnest in her beliefs and is often very correct, but she doesn't have necessarily the age and experience to kind of balance that out. And when you just write her like, oh, she's having conversations just like she's a, an adult, like she's a peer of Marge, it uh, defeats the purpose of her character in some ways. And, like, it just ties back into making her more annoying because – the charm in it is that she's a little girl and she's still learning these things and learning how we operate even and how like you can technically be right in an argument and still lose because you don't know what you don't know how to engage with people. But we never get there. It's just Marge is an idiot. And but in Lisa's uh, it we feel should be feel sorry for her because she can't take leaps of faith. Well, to be fair, by the end of the episode, Lisa has had a somewhat of a redemption arc where, you know, she's scared and she's squeezing Marge's hand. And, you know, that's that's supposed to be the, the little girl part of Lisa. And then that's when they reconcile. But it feels too far apart to be part of the same plot, essentially. Yeah, I agree. There's too much of a disconnect between the message that they're trying to send and the actual story that they're telling. Yeah. wonder where I've heard that before. So. Hmm. <laughs> Is there... Anyway. Anyway. You have something else to say, Robbie? No, no, you're good. Okay, good, good. Uh, at this point, Lisa goes on smart lines. You basically say that, look, this is obviously not an angel. This is not how angels work. And Ken Brockman's response is, but it really looks like one. And once again, we, we've harped on how stupid they have to make everyone in Springfield. And this just kind of caps it off as, whew, uh, that's all the Spring Evans Springfield needs. And unfortunately, this smart line appearance inspires them to run amok and an anti-science uh, riot. Science. What's science ever done for us? TV off. Science is like a blabbermouth who ruins a movie by telling you how it ends. Well, I say there are some things we don't want to know. Important things. Yeah! Enough talk. It's smashing time. <laughs> So, yes, science is completely useless unless it's making your life easier in some way. So we should just get rid of it entirely, except for the things that make you happy. 
that is uh, Springfield's take on it, essentially. Not incredibly nuanced. Uh, no, but more accurate than I would like to admit. <laughs> I mean, it is it. It's it's easy. I mean, I think that's the problem. It is. It's not. It's not inaccurate. Yeah, there's plenty of people who denounce science while enjoying all the benefits it gives them. But just saying, like, I I feel like that. This is another kind of just like kind of like it lacks any kind of subtlety, any kind of cleverness. Like, like aside, I think I do enjoy Moe's TV off. That is a good joke. But also, I really enjoyed the. I hope medical science can cure me. Well, I don't. I I like that less. And the right, like maybe burning down the Christian Science Reading Room. I also like that is a funny thing. But then it's just the like what you said about Kent Brockman. But it looks so convincing. I'm like, well, come on, guys, give us a little bit more than just that. Come on. And it, again, and yeah. also that it's tangential to the Lisa Marge stuff. It also kind of you know detracts a little bit. And and one of the big problems with it is there's not a lot of insight to it. It's just sort of calling people idiots. Like there's some interesting irony to burning the Christian science reading room and some reversals with Mo. But a lot of the stuff with the mob here is just saying, hey, look, these folks are complete dunces and why should we ever listen to them? And that it's it's fun to have a punching bag, but there's not a lot of insight or talent that goes into that. Anybody can do, hey, I think other people are stupid kind of comedy. Yeah, it, it doesn't have what made The Simpsons great, which was insight and nuance and understanding and observations of these things that struck you rather than just pointing and laughing. No, yeah, a why. There has to be a why in there somewhere. Why people behave yeah, this way. There's not. <laughs> no, it's more like people behave this way. I'm like, well, yeah, we all we know that. And then at the end, they forget about it <laughs> because <laughs> people obviously just ignore their own faults to a T. Well, that, I mean, that's also true, but still. Again, true, but you know, not necessarily you know, insightful. Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that doesn't require an insight. It's just kind of a joke. But the other stuff, some insight would be appreciated. Anyway, after this point, Lisa is outraged by what she sees, and she goes to smash the angel, and it's gone. And everyone is aghast, and we go to a commercial. Dun dun dun. <laughs> no, 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 Matt. Yeah. Nope. Sorry. Nope. Okay. All right. Uh, Lisa. Yeah. The angel's gone. We come back. Lisa. Lisa is confused. As and the rest of the town, the gang, the roving madmen and women of Springfield come to to take the angel from the Simpsons, and it is it is gone. So obviously, Lisa is lying, and Lisa is arrested. Of course, arrest arresting. Because that's a thing that happens in real life. Well, not. It's not. I don't. It's just. It's. It's all feels very rushed and kind yeah. of hey that's that's all the evidence chief wiggum needs is an accusation really well i mean it's not hard to like yes of course wiggum and the the police are all corrupt and stupid so yes they and i would believe that they yeah they would uh, arrest an eight-year-old girl but it's just there's no why to any of this because this is also just immediately erased because lisa is about to face this court case and it closes before it even really starts. Lisa Simpson, you are charged with destruction of an historic curiosity, a misdemeanor. But in a larger sense, this trial will settle the age-old question of science versus religion. Let the opening statements commence. Your Honor, over the coming weeks and months, we intend to prove Lisa Simpson willfully destroyed. There's the angel! <laughs> I find the defendant not guilty. 
As for science versus religion, I'm issuing a restraining order. Religion must stay 500 yards from science at all times. Which, yeah, that's a that's a that's a nice little that's joke. That's a pretty good joke. Yeah, it's uh, I, I have a question though. Is the blue-haired lawyer also a prosecutor for Springfield? Do they not have their own? They just hire whatever lawyer they want because <laughs> he's usually the defense attorney. Yes. Look, there's two lawyers in Springfield, and if you're not going to hire Lionel Hutz, with which if you're smart, you shouldn't. You're going <laughs> to hire the blue-haired lawyer. So yeah, fair enough. You you know that you know it's a there's a scarcity there, so you have to have them work you, double. You'd duty. think some other lawyers would have, have moved in to uh, capitalize on said scarcity. No one wants to live in Springfield, Matt. Hey, they live in Shelbyville and just commute. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the com- why do we have that that plot yet? Why do we have like a commuters like from other outside of town coming into Springfield and remarking on its weirdness? Why isn't that an episode I mean, yet? They had they had the whole immigrant thing with the Ogdenvillians in uh, some season twenty something, and uh, there was one where they go to Shelbyville and find out they're making fun. It's the the hoot 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 thing. I don't remember what episode that was. Oh yeah. Anyway. You're right, though. They should have a direct episode about that. That's that's one of the few things that has not been mined as as much as I thought it would have is the Shelbyville Springfield rivalry. Plus, I mean, hey, commuting is a real thing nowadays. Why don't we? Um, Simpsons could say something about it. I'm sure it'd be topical and yeah. right on point. Uh, so uh, the court the court case. Like, Lisa didn't need to be arrested. <laughs> like, the, none of that mattered. Like, because immediately she is released. It, like, it literally within less than a minute, the arrest is rendered moot. And why isn't something else taking up that time? That's that's just a joke about, you know, small town law uh, where, you know, they're a little behind the times. It's again, it's just poking fun at them for no particular reason, which they do often for the Springfield PD. So it's it's not really a surprise. Well, I'm. Yeah, they've already gone to the well three to- two three times in this episode with that. Yeah. The motorboats. And... Yeah, it feels like it was supposed to be plot relevant, and then somewhere in the writing process, they just kind of gave up on it, but there's this vestigial scene left over. Well, they were, I, I like, I don't know how how far it went, but there was, like, earlier in the, the planning of this, it was supposed to be a larger focus. It's going to be, like, a, the Scopes Monkey Trial, but mm. in Springfield with Lisa... And and that and I guess the maybe the angel skeleton being a, a focus of it or something, but apparently they the David X Cohen got talked out of making it a major plot point. Maybe this is just like a vestigial leftover of that, and they just threw it in there because they wanted to mention the Scopes Monkey Trial or allude to it in very you know a minor way because it is tangentially connected. Yeah, I really feel like. There is the core of another interesting episode that could happen here. You, you have something, you know, religion versus science, and you could do more of the whole Scopes trial uh, parody. And that could be another whole episode of, of Lisa being a skeptic. And I mean, obviously, you know, people would compare it to this episode pretty heavily. But if they do a good job, it could come out as different enough to be interesting. Well, they, they did it in season 17 with uh, the monkey. I think it's called the monkey, the monkey suit. Where Lisa sues Flanders over evolution, or Flanders sues Lisa, or something along those lines. Yeah, I said do it well. Matt's killing it today. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the whole problem with this episode, is it does feel like there's good ideas there, but there are multiple ideas stitched together, and it's still two or three drafts away from being coherent and focused. Yeah. So the town goes to they, they 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 Lenny 
as you heard Lenny say, the the angel skeletons up on a hill in plain view of the of the courthouse. They go to investigate, and it says on the angel, "The end is soon." Look, a message. The end will come at sundown. <laughs> Wait a second, I don't like the sound of that. I'm scared, Daddy. Too scared to even wet my pants. It's okay, son. Just relax and it'll come. Even Lisa Simpson <laughs> must now agree we have witnessed a miracle. Hardly. Anyone could have written that. Oh, Angel, listen not to this child of Satan. Reverend, I gotta admit, this doomsday warning has me just a smidge twitterpated. Oh, now be calm, Ned. But be afraid also, tremendously afraid, for the day of reckoning is upon us. <gasps> reckoning? No! Your Holiness, there is word from America. They say an angel has foretold the apocalypse. Uh, keep an eye on it. You just need to so, watch a little bit. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to actually, you know, I'm sure they get lots of noti- uh, notifications of weird stuff happening that might be the apocalypse. I want to say this episode seems to have a lot of issues, but their Ralph game is on point. It's the truth. Yeah, it's not that the episode isn't funny. It has a lot of really good funny bits in it. It's just that every, like, the, and I, I still d- think the plot has merits at times, uh, particularly ending, which we're about to get to, but it's kind of ramshackle and kind of pieced together, and is it thematically cohesive, which I kind of, I, I kind of need that, honestly. I need that to be, for some, for me to call something good. All right. You guys agree? I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, pretty much. Sorry. I, yeah, I would yeah. love to add something, but you're right. <laughs> it's rare, but it happens sometimes. People. Uh, hey, hey, I'm right 51% of the time. Mm, I'm going to have to check my numbers on that uh, one. And when you're wrong, and I mean, when you're right 51% of the time, you're wrong 49% of the time. Why didn't you tell us that before? <laughs> it's my lock of the week. Uh, we, the town is kind of preparing for the end <laughs> of, of the world. Apparently, because the skeleton told them it would, it was coming. Uh, the the you know Skinner and Edna, Matt's very eloquent. Skinner and Edna do it. That's the well the, after the, after they signed the tardy slips. Yeah, it's important well, at the end of the world. Everyone hey, knows who was tardy. Hey, Skinner, there's a little hint that maybe Skinner doesn't believe that the end is coming. He's like, I'm still gonna have to get this work done. Let me just do it real quick. Or that he's just that anal retentive. Well, that's, that's also Skinner just has his priorities. Well, you got to get the hey, you got to get that stuff done. It'll pile up. Mm-hmm. And he has a bunch of tardy slips to do at the end of the week. Who wants that? The first thing that Saint Peter asks you when you get to heaven is whether you have any incomplete tardy slips. Yeah, exactly. Skinner doesn't want to get in and trouble. If you do, God help you if you do. <laughs> uh, the town is preparing for the end and. Uh, for the Simpsons, that means dressing up, like they're going to church, I guess. Uh, Lisa wants no part of it. Will you leave me alone? It's bad enough you're making me go to your stupid judgment day. Please, Lisa. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I really wish we could make peace before sunset. Nothing is going to happen, Mom. I hate to disappoint you, but the world is not coming to an end. Lisa runs away, and Marge murmurs. I did not capture the murmurs and the, but no, oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's, it's this, you know, and this is the, you know, we, 
the pretty much the extent of this conflict, the scene that we heard earlier in this one. It is the the amount of like discussion and back and forth. It is very much obstinate Lisa like this is obviously not real and Marge like no, actually the world is ending, which is I can't there's no part of me that thinks that Marge would buy into the world is ending because the angel skeleton said so. <laughs> it is it, it just like if Homer believes it, sure. If you want to even talk me into Flanders believing it, sure. I can I can maybe buy that religious hysteria. But Marge, I can't. She's on. She would be closer to Lisa's side on this, and it just feels like it, it is like escalating the 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 situation way too far. Yeah, I mean, if if this were something besides an angel skeleton, if it were you know an apparition or something, I can see Marge buying into it a little more, and Lisa being you know obviously more skeptical. But it, it's a skeleton. Marge isn't dumb. This doesn't make any G- sense. Giving it the the most charitable interpretation, you could say maybe Marge doesn't really believe in it, but you never know, and it's better to be prepared for it, and particularly to to make peace with your loved ones. It's it's a bit of a stretch, I'll admit, but I think you can. You can make it fit. I, I just again, and it's also, I, it also makes Lisa like the antagonist in this, which makes like it, it, it's, it's so, it's, it's framed around the idea of this completely ridiculous thing of you know, look at this angel skeleton that is predicting the end of the world, and the whole town is stupider than even they normally are to believe it. And then it's not that like they don't they frame it so that they are in this instance more reason like Lisa is the in at least with her you know in, if it's Lisa versus the crowd yeah we side with Lisa but when you it's Lisa versus her mom it it's it feels like it's framed like Lisa is the ridiculous one and poor we're supposed to feel sorry for Marge which I don't because she's believing something that is would be in a tabloid. And it makes me sad because obviously Lisa is one of our favorite characters. Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, it it doesn't. It it feels like a betrayal of both characters, at least a little bit. It's not gross or drastic, but it does feel like they're out of character, if nothing else. Yeah, it's 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 and it's like it's not like it's super far off, like you said. It's just a couple degrees off of what I think they're going for. Like, I feel like they are going for Lisa the Vegetarian, but with Faith and with March. You know, like, it, except it doesn't really, like, it. I, I think it gets there in the end, but the entire travel from A to B is really uneven and weird. Yeah, honestly, uh, this episode... Like you mentioned, Lisa the Vegetarian, which is a Lisa versus Homer episode, and they they kind of want to set this up as a Lisa versus Marge. I think the better one is when Lisa converts to Buddhism, which is this season or next or something like that, and when that is a Lisa versus Marge thing. And it makes neither of them really out to be the bad guy. They just have two differing opinions, and it's about that conflict. That That is a better version of what this episode is trying to do here. Yeah, I agree. And that's not the whole season yeah. 13. Oh wow, that's a long way away. And we still got a few ways a ways to go with that one. Um, so the the end is coming. They all go to the angel for it, angel skeleton, because they do, of course. Um, everyone is uh kind of preparing. Lovejoy doesn't want to sing a hymn, even though Flanders thinks they should. Homer clings to Marge <laughs> because they're a package deal. Uh, Patty and Selma 
beat cancer as they happily yep, puff away. They're, they're, they're going to die. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. They, they, it didn't kill them. Uh, Smither thinking Smithers thinking it's his last moment on earth kisses burns, which could have led to uh, a really interesting episode, but instead we wait, uh, let's see 20 literally no 19 seasons for that episode. So, well, it was the nineties. There were any gay people on TV in the nineties. Yeah, except for that whole episode they did about it in a season ago, with a guest oh, character. Nerds. With a guest character instead. I mean, it was very good, but still. Was uh, this post Ellen? I want to say it was post. It was. Ellen. It was post Ellen. Just post Ellen. That's what I was getting as the whole post Ellen thing. Uh, so okay, you know. Well, I mean, everyone. So everyone is there, and the angel is there, and the angel rises up, and Lisa is scared. Prepare for the end. The end of high prices. What? Behold! The grand opening of the Heavenly Hills Mall. Please follow the angel for all your shopping needs. a phony skeleton for me to find. This was all a big hoax. <laughs> Not a hoax. A publicity stunt. You exploited people's deepest beliefs just to hawk your cheesy wares? Well, we are outraged. Aren't we? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we're outraged. Very, uh, very much so. But look at all the stores. A, a pottery barn! And 20% off everything? Hey, does that include rat spray? Oh, yeah. Out of my way, shorty. Hey! I don't understand, Professor. Why didn't your test show the skeleton was a fake? I'm going to be honest with you, Lisa. I never did the tests. Uh, sir, uh, about that, uh, uh, that kiss, I, <laughs> I hope you understand. It was merely a sign of my respect. Yes, yes, of course. Well, I guess you were right, honey. But you have to admit, when that angel started to talk, you were squeezing my hand pretty hard. <laughs> well, it was just so loud, and <laughs> thanks for squeezing back. Anytime, my angel. That is the right tone. Mm-hmm. Well, there there's some issues here. One, I feel like the whole town getting hoodwinked and immediately forgiving them because they got hoodwinked because of you know the response. That's that could be an interesting episode. Uh, it does work here because that's the kind of thing Springfield would do. Uh, but I feel like pairing that with how stupid everyone was earlier in the episode is is kind of a little off. Like this is this is more about apathy than stupidity. Um, but yeah, the the Lisa and March thing is a hundred percent what this episode should have ended with. So I'm glad it did. I think it. I don't know. It redeems the episode somewhat in my mind. Like it is. I think it the tone is correct, and that is I I feel like it the problem is it's like an answer to the answer to a question the episode never asked. Yeah, like that is what Lisa should be there for. <laughs> Ooh, that's good, good point. That's good. It is. It it feels very much like hey, here is this very sweet moment between Marge and Lisa where Lisa can accept the fact that maybe oh. When she's presented with something that her her mind cannot rationalize, she does, you know, she finally understands Marge's position a little bit. And Marge is there because she loves her daughter, and she wants to be there to comfort her. 
And like, yeah, that is 100% correct and makes the episode a little bit, despite all our criticisms, I think makes the episode better in my estimation. My only, my problem is they're like, they're the two scenes prior to this wasn't really like never got to that debate. It got to Lisa going, oh, you believe the angel skeleton is an angel and Marge going, oh yeah, apoc- the apocalypse is happening. Let's get dressed. It's yeah. it, those th- those are those are different. Those aren't even the same league of, of discussion. Of oh, Lisa is able to acknowledge that there is room for spirituality or or even a realm of of a belief in things that aren't visible. But well, I, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Matt. Well, I, okay. Well, basically, what I was gonna say is. This is the right way to end it. It's their setup that kind of fails. And I think one of the ways it kind of fails is because for most of this episode, it's Lisa versus the mob. And there are a couple scenes where it's Lisa versus Marge. And then the denouement is Lisa and Marge reconciling, which which ends the episode perfectly. But there was so little actual buildup to a Lisa versus Marge conflict. Uh, like I said, if, if they had gone with something besides a skeleton, something not quite so egregious, and Marge had believed and Lisa didn't, and, you know, there were a couple of scenes with the mob that were kind of funny, and it had mostly been Lisa not believing, Marge believing, that could have been a more interesting episode, and this payout would have meant a little more. But, unfortunately, because most of his Lisa versus the mob, that kind of fizzles away, and you're just left with the Lisa-Marge reconciliation, which feels good, but could have been better. Yeah, I think I tend to overrate this episode in my memory because it goes out on such a a nice note. There's real catharsis in however briefly they've been apart, Lisa and Marge reconciling and coming together and having this event be the shared uh, experience that makes them understand the other, or at least forgive the other. But they don't build to it. it. It exists as a nice thing in isolation but when you sort of stop and pull back and see how they got there, it's not as satisfying as it could be. And I think when you're sitting to think about the episode as a whole, it's what stands out. Whereas when you're just sort of remembering it, you're like, oh, yeah, there's that nice Lisa and Marge moment. Yeah. It's, it boosts the episode considerably. Yeah, exactly. And maybe in an unearned kind of way. It's, it gives you a sweet aftertaste after all the bitterness. Yeah, well, I, and I mean, it's the it's those like those are the things I you know when I come back to episodes, it's often those things that you know when I think of Lisa the skeptic, I think angel skeleton, I and I think of that moment at the end. Like it's not like I'm remembering. I like I have forgotten that the motorboat thing was in this episode. I forgot about uh, Ralph in the archaeological dig with Prince Principal bits. The, the the that I forgotten all those things Principal were in Skinster. it. Principal Skinsker, I forgotten all that stuff. I had, but I remember the sweet ending. And like, it's kind of true. Like in most stuff, if something ends really well, you can you forget about a lot of the stuff that got you to that ending. You know, you can't forget a lot about the the middle, the some wandering middleness or aimless themes or whatever. And I think. You know, watching it now with an like, I still think this episode has its merits. I think the ending is very is practically pitch perfect, but the stuff in in between is uh, a little bit. I think it start it start Simpsons are starting to show the worst, like starting to show some of the problems that people think of in the you know the those meandering years after the so called golden era. 
Yeah, where, where things start to get cracks start to appear and you start to wonder like why did they do that there's a better way to do this and it almost feels as if this episode was rushed like another couple of times through the script they could have identified these problems and solved them fairly simply maybe maybe they just didn't have time so one thing that you hear about the show under mike scully is that in prior administrations you used to have people kept in the writer's room until the wee hours of the night and that scully started to run at least more of a nine to five kind of deal i don't know if that's actually true or if that's exaggerated but it's at least some of the scuttlebutt that's out there about how the show changed when he took over and maybe that reflects in how many more passes the script got than it might have had so what you're saying is humane treatment of creators is what made the show worse Yes. Cre- creativity is driven by suffering. I, I thought everyone knew that. That's, that's not... Or, you know, maybe we should have a nice Rick and Morty-like production schedule where they take as long as they need to make the episodes as good as they need to be. Whoa. That, that's even more humane. That's in the wrong direction, Andrew. <laughs> Andrew, Simpsons are on Fox. Rupert Murdoch demands quick and swift and uh, prompt uh, product delivered as quickly and freshly as possible. Yeah, it's. I'm sorry, they're not changing any. It's not happening. It's too. I mean, I agree. I think that is the solution. Honestly, is less episodes, but we're not. That's not. That is not going to ever going to happen. Lisa the skeptic. Uh, Episode ends with Marge and Lisa being. Sweet and happy, and the town of Springfield getting to go to a nice air-conditioned mall at midnight. Well, air-conditioning is important. I 100% agree with you. Uh, Not as important in Edmonton, but I still agree it's important. (laughs) Heating is important. Yeah. Uh, But we'll rank it at the end of the show. No submissions for my favorite episode. However, if you do have a favorite episode, submit it to SimpsonsJoePod at gmail.com. Explain why a certain episode is your favorite. When we reach it, I will read it on air next up, we can move on to Comments of the News Group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments of the News Group is where I comb through the alt, alt.tv.simpsons news group, see what people are talking about a week or two after an episode debuted. Uh, kind of average grades on this one. Average, all right. Um, a lot of complaints about Lisa. Shocking. A whole bunch of people who probably identify with Bart complained about Lisa. Well,. Mm. It, no, I mean, it's a lot of the, I don't know, I, I feel like it shared, they share a lot of our criticisms, uh, and my criticisms, frankly, so they are 100% correct, because they agree with me. <laughs> Fine. I, it's, no, I mean, it's, 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 it is that, I think, now that the news group has, it's been, it's season nine, a lot of these people have been watching for years now, there is a sense of, I don't know, a for, like, a, a forced feeling to Lisa's activism at times. And I don't think uh, like, and I think it makes it worse by the writers kind of peeling away at her earnestness. And I, it's going to get worse. Like you said, that I feel like (laughs) the early reaction is already here. And I think there were already people complaining about it. I I think those people were a little, I don't think that was earned criticism about Lisa's activism. They were just, they wanted the episodes to be light and fun. And when Lisa is dealing with vegetarianism or whatever, whatever topic it is, it's, this isn't fun. This makes us think blah, blah, blah. This is, I, I don't watch the Simpsons for that, etc. But well, then you're doing a terrible job of watching the Simpsons. Uh, well, you know, people watch things for different reasons, Matt. Uh, 
I think it's also that, one of the great things about The Simpsons. It has something for everybody at different levels of interest and appreciation. Yeah, and it can often, by being subversive and maybe anti-authoritative, it can, you know, change people's minds subtly without them realizing it. Yeah, that's what happened. They lost the subtlety in this episode. Yeah, like, and I think that's what people were complaining about. It's like, it's not super subtle. Um, also, there is a, an interesting report, uh, I don't know, a report, a, a post, uh, about the Cardiff Giant. Do you know what you guys know? Oh, yeah. You guys know about the Cardiff yeah. Giant, where a archaeologist made a giant from nothing, from rock, car- got it carved, and then buried it, and then staged it being unearthed, and eventually fooled a bunch of people into giving him money. And then eventually P.T. Barnum sued him. And he ended up revealing that it was fake. And the quote, there's a sucker born every minute, came out of that, out of that story. Yeah. Out of the, which is, you know, and this, and the, I, frankly, I feel like that is probably a, a part, a partial influence on this episode. But it's an interesting story. Sucker born every minute, Matt. Indeed there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's that's our job as educators is to get people out of their sucker. Are, are, that's what are, that's that what we are. I'm not an educator. Yes, yes we don't are. put that on me. I'm not. But uh, Robbie, you are a role model. You have a pod. You have several no, podcasts. I'm not, you are a role model. I'm Charles Barkley. I'm not a room. I'm not a role model. <laughs> oh, you're one of those people. All right, fair enough. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for the listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week is, who is Springfield's most eligible bachelor? There, I mean, there's a bunch of single guys in Springfield. Yeah. They're not all necessarily great. Some are, you know, some are mo. Not. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, tons of great answers. Are, you guys made me laugh this week. Uh, first from Andy. For the gold diggers, it's Mr. Burns. But if you're looking for a long commitment, it has to be Lenny or Carl. Both have very stable careers, masters in nuclear physics, and outside the stonecutter seem to live a simple life. I mean, but then you have to split them up. And I don't know if that's keeping Lenny away from Carl. Like, their friendship is probably just too strong for them. For There's not enough room in their lives for another person. They need to marry a set of two friends uh, who are just as close as they are. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, that, that works that out. Be one great big foursome. Yeah. Matt, really? What? After last week, we got to come back to this. You're supposed to say phrasing, Robbie. Come on. Uh, next from D. Uh, there's only one answer to this clearly. Snake. Women love the bad boy with a fast car and tattoos, so I've been told. Uh-huh. Some some women do. Yeah, it takes all kinds. From Chris, groundskeeper Willie. He's handy, rugged, foreign, and completely jack. And beards are in style at the moment. Uh, Gaspar, Jasper Beardly, fashionable beard before it was cool, and loves a good paddling. If you're into that, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, Sean, if you fall on the fence that Ned is twice widowed, I would say him. Owns a business, smart, kind, and uh, I'm gonna say well endowed because I wasn't. I'm not gonna use the phrase that yeah, Sean yeah. Sean used. Other than him. Smithers, I mean, we don't have to have Hedera hold back here, and he has a lot to offer someone if they just turn his eye from the Burns iconography. Yeah, Smithers, Smithers is great. It's just, man, Burns is Burns is a you know like as much as Lenny and Carl have each other, like trying to get Smithers out off. I mean, Smithers has been in other relationships, but it seems none of them have fought out because of Burns's presence. 
Yeah, that, that's his one thing that just it makes it disqualifies him immediately is his, his Burns <laughs> complex. Uh, next from Robbie. Obvi- obviously, it's Duff Man. I mean, are the ladies after Duff Man? Oh, yeah. Uh, from Teresa. I think Seymour is a good catch. His mom won't be around forever. <laughs> that's what every uh, woman on the market wants to hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eventually, <laughs> his mother will, will pass. Uh, from Izzy. He's a party animal and the face of a brand. Duff Man. Uh, Mike's Jacques, good-looking, nice accent, and knows brunch. Even Marge fell for him. That's true. Jacques is hanging around. Uh, Amanda, drawn to insanity. Flanners, get past the churchy side. Yeah. Jason at Jet Pilot. Disco Scoo, of course, but Disco Scoo. Dis- Disco Stew doesn't advertise. Uh, midnight, midnight on the third day. Gotta be Millhouse. Hard to resist guy that likes to take walks and sort some stuff out. Hmm. Hey, that's you. You're the dud. Yeah. Uh, CT at CTTH. Skinner, educated, steady job, and if you could separate him from his mother, probably fairly pliant. It's true. That's what everyone needs. Yeah. Uh, Lauren at <laughs> L Columbia 88. The smooth moves of Hans Moleman is obviously the most eligible bachelor in Springfield, because kissing him is like kissing a peanut. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, from David, my answer to this question is Bart. Although family might not be rich, Bart is a modern interest story, and his future memoirs include stories of tea and cakes with former presidents and their wives. Shirley is a very easy spin on his life as a son of a NASA astronaut, heavyweight boxer, designer of the car which sunk a company, artist, trusted employee of an international criminal, FBI informant, baseball mascot, mob boss, submarine captain, touring performance artist, monorail conductor, smuggler on multiple occasions, and voice actor in the most popular children's cartoon on television, to name just a few. Depending on what timeline you follow, he may or may not be the brother of the future president of the United States. He's a future media personality, guaranteed, and that's where we consider he discovered a comet and was a member of a massively successful boy band. If not, let's say Mo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, Cody. The most eligible bachelor in Springfield is none other than Bart Springer's brother, Tom. He has a great career as an F-14 pilot, swanky living space, and he volunteers his time for less fortunate kids. Apu would not have been able to compete in that auction. Tom is pretty good. Yeah, it's really hard to beat Tom, but it, it, Tom never shows up, so I'm just going to say he died in the background. Oh, man, what? <laughs> That's a, a, a big assumption. <laughs> yeah, Tom's dead. He's, yeah. just, he's just dead. Matt, what's your answer? Okay, so if we're going with uh, tertiary characters that may or may not still live in Springfield, I'm going to go with Herb, uh, Homer's uh, half-brother, uh, because he has you know the grit and drive to survive. Uh, he's uh, a little... Uh, overly energetic at times, but he seems like a nice guy. He's, he's got a good career ahead of him uh, in the, uh, the baby translating service. And he just, he's, he's related to the Simpsons. So you get an interesting life, but he doesn't see him that much. So it's not too crazy. So it's, it's a good all around choice. Andrew, what you got? My answer is superintendent Chalmers. He's got a good steady job. He enjoys at least what he thinks is a home cooked meal and old movies. And if his dates with Agnes are any indication, he knows how to show a lady a good time. So Chalmers is your way to go. Ladies of Springfield. Sorcerer sorcerer, sorcerer Intendant Chalmers. (laughs) I choose Flanders. Yeah, yeah. I I, I wanted to point, real quick, Robbie, I I think it's interesting that the Flanders has been trending away from the super churchy uh, recently, I feel like in the more recent episodes. So, you know, by now, maybe he's plying enough that you can get him to only go to church three days a week. I mean, if I'm like, okay, one, Springfield's slim pickings. Yeah. Flanders is consistent, reliable, honest, trustworthy, kind. He'll take care of you. You know, you'll have to go to church a lot, but he's the best of the rest. You know, I, I, I'm not going to wait for Agnes to die. 
Yeah. <laughs> God knows how long she's gonna... She could be around for a while. Or Mr. Burns to die. Yeah, I... Mr. Burns is rich, and, like, I don't think he's gonna die. Like, he has those life extension therapies. I think he's gonna live forever, so... Well, I'm just saying, like, if, if you wanted Smithers, you could just wait for Mr. Burns to die. Um... Uh, Smithers has a lot of baggage. I mean, Flanders does too, but he has his kids to center him, I think. I think Smithers is, you know, by himself, and I frankly don't want to have to deal with, like, years of him getting through his obsession with birds. <laughs> Public service announcement. If you have to wait for somebody to die to start a relationship, yeah, not it's a, probably not, not the healthiest not, relationship. Yeah, exactly. That's really? What, yeah, really. It's a, crazy to believe that. Like, if you're thinking that, like, oh, well, this relationship would be good, as long as this person would just disappear. Eh, eh, not, probably not a good not a good fit. Uh, next week's question. Which of Homer's get-rich-quick schemes was actually good? Ooh. Hmm. Which is the ones that you're like, wait a minute, that was a good idea. I'll uh, post this question on all our social media, facebook.com slash thesimpsonshowpod, twitter at simpsonshowpod. You can email us at simpsonshowpod at gmail.com. Next up, Matt, guess what? It's that time again. Yeah, yeah. New Google Trivia Charge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean, S-M-A-R-T. The New Google Trivia Challenge is where Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, one hard. Try and stump the other. Uh, the We have a wager for this season. Whoever loses must write and perform their own Triassic Horror skit. You know all the voices. You, you got yours written yet, Matt? No. No, I don't. Oh, not yet? Okay. I'm not confident. Oh, okay. Well, you are in the lead. To be fair, uh, start us off. Give me an easy question. All right, sir. Your easy question. These all come from Bart versus Thanksgiving in season two. Oof. All right. Where does Bart have his Thanksgiving dinner after the family kicks him out? At the Yoma shelter. You are correct, sir. Oh, well, I'm on the board. You know, I can I can walk away happy now. That's all it is. Uh-huh. These are all from Fear of Flying. Ooh, I season, like that one. Season six. March discovers her father's real job was what? A flight attendant, or stewardess, as you, March calls him. Uh, yeah, I, you're correct. You could just call him a steward. Like, they have, that's a real word. That's not That's not made but up. She, she calls him a stewardess. She does, she does. Marge has very, you know, stiff, you know strict preconceptions about uh, the flight industry, I suppose. What's my medium yeah. question? All right, your medium question. What do Patty and Selma bring to Thanksgiving dinner? Oh, God. Um... I think that's a different episode I'm thinking of. Um, they bring... Did... No. Don't they, do... they don't bring that. Um, they bring, like, a... I want to say they bring, like... No, they don't do that. No, that's wrong. Um, I keep having, like, thoughts. Um, it wouldn't be something good. They don't bring good things. I was like, they bring that good thing. No, they wouldn't bring a good thing. They're Patty and Selma. They bring bad things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... I would say they bring a uh, fruitcake. They bring a fruitcake. Is that your final answer? I, that's all I got. Okay. I'm sorry. That isn't correct. Uh, they bring Swedish meatballs and trout almondine. Ah. All right. Swedish meatballs Marge are great. upset because uh, she, she was uh, making a turkey. So, you know. Uh, well, I mean, it's Thanksgiving. You eat as much as you possibly can. There's no wrong. Right. I don't know why Marge is upset. There's but, no wrong yeah, amount whatever. of food. You can eat as much of the food as you possibly can. Okay. Your medium question. Uh, what is the name of the airline that bribes Homer with free tickets? It is, um, oh, well, they'll, they'll become a laughing stock. It is, um, um, all right, let me get this right. Uh, Crazy Clown Airlines. 
Hmm. It says crazy clown in the in the in the script. Subtitles, yeah. I'll give it to you. Thank you. I'll give it to you. God. <laughs> that's weird. I wouldn't expect Frankie Act to be wrong. I that's what I thought. It's usually very, very accurate. All right, what's my hard question? Your hard question. Who are the women on Lisa's centerpiece? Oh god. Um I believe uh um um Harriet Beecher Stowe, um Sacagawea and <clears throat> the third one, um Suffra- Suffragette. Uh it is she's on money. I can't even think of it. Uh I'm so angry that I can't think of this. Harriet Beecher Stowe, Sacagawea and that's not right though. I can't think of the third. I'll say Harriet Tubman, but I don't think that's right. Well, I was prepared to give you one point per correct answer, but unfortunately, even if I did, you still would get zero. Oh, great. Excellent. What are, what are the answers? It is uh, Georgia O'Keeffe, Susan B. Anthony, and Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. And I'm quite sad you missed the last one because she's an important Floridian. I don't. I was thinking of uh, Sam again, Matt. I just literally, I can't keep a thought Georgia in my head. Georgia O'Keefe. Yes. Susan B. Anthony. I think Susan, you were thinking of Susan, Susan B. Anthony. Susan B. Anthony was the one I was thinking of. Georgia O'Keefe, I completely forgot. I think I just got the cadence of uh of the third with the three names. Yeah. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm oh, terrible. You're a hard question. What are the name of the movies Homer picks out at the video store to help with Marge's anxiety? Okay. Uh, let's see. There's definitely Alive. I know that one. Um, okay. Gotta, you gotta cue it up in my brain. Stranded, and the only one I can remember was the only the only real one. Uh, I got nothing. No, not even words are coming to my brain. Hero, fearless, fearless, That's and alive. Okay. Unfortunately, you didn't get all three, so you don't get any points. Oh, is that how we're doing? Okay, fair enough, Matt. You already beat me by seven. I can't. This is. No, not, I know. I know. I can't. I can't be kind anymore. It's gotten to this point. We're only six, seven episodes in. I'm already to the point where I have to be mean. Uh, Andrew, do you have any questions for us? I do, as a matter of fact. And my theme Uh-oh. for both of you this week is trees. So get ready for some arboreal fun. Oh, uh, do do Matt first. Okay, Matt. Your easy question. Complete this line from Marge versus the monorail. Simpson, Homer Simpson, he's the greatest guy in history. From the town of Springfield. Uh, he's about to hit a chestnut tree. That is correct. Robbie, mm-hmm. your easy question. In Homer at the Bat, what is the name of the bat Homer makes from the branch of the tree that was struck by lightning? Uh, I can't believe I can't think of this. Um... Uh, it's a, I'm bad. I'm bad at life. I'm bad at Simpsons. Um, you can do it, Robbie. I believe I you got much, this, right? I, like, I literally, I can't think of anything. Uh, it's, I know the name I can, th- I can think of the one from the natural, but that's not the answer to this question. Uh, is it Wonder Bat? You are correct. Oh my God. Good job, Robbie. I was like, that can't be right. That's so stupid. But of course it's right. <laughs> well, Homer came up with it. Yeah, like of course. It should be stupid. Okay. <laughs> Matt, your medium question. What type of tree did Homer and Marge give to Lisa as her combined Christmas and birthday present as noted in Bart After Dark? I believe it was a peach tree. That is correct. Robbie, your medium question. 
At the end of Lemon of Troy, why did the citizens of Shelbyville banish Springfield's, quote, awful lemon tree from their city forever, at least according to the town's equivalent of Grandpa? <laughs> That's quite a question. Uh, I believe they banished it because radishes are much more delicious than lemons or something along those lines. That's all I got. Mm, there was, there's a specific reason they got rid of the lemon tree and didn't just just I, oh, immediately turn to turnips. Oh, it, it's it's haunted. That is correct. Really? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I didn't think you'd get that. <laughs> that was just a random Matt, guess. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a good one. Matt, your hard question. In Radio Bart, Homer buys his son a superstar celebrity microphone for his birthday, which he hopes Bart will like much better than the gift he received from Homer the year before. What was that gift? Oh, I know this something tree I got him last year. Uh, I'm going to say the apple tree. (laughs) I got nothing. Final answer? Final answer. Uh, The correct answer is shoe trees. Shoe tree. That's that's not even a real tree. Okay. (laughs) Foiled by by literalism. (laughs) Story of my life. Robbie, your hard question. Mm-hmm. In Mr. Lisa Goes to Washington, Representative Bob Arnold is expelled from Congress after accepting a bribe from a lobbyist to permit what? Uh, logging the Redwood Forest. I'm going to need the, the specific name of the forest since this is a, a hard question. Um, okay. The, I mean, is it, it's not just the Redwoods? Like, I thought that was uh, uh, the great... Um, the hell's that? The the national park's name uh, is the Sequoias, the Grand the Great Sequoia National Park, Grand Sequoias, whatever that's called. I don't know. <clears throat> what is what is, what is what is Matt? That's kind of like antagonistic noises over there. Mm-hmm. Well, I I'm sorry, I don't know this explicitly. Uh, I don't I don't remember my geography. I'm I'm an old man now. I don't remember all that high school stuff. Uh. Matt's angry because he knows the answer to this one. Uh, <laughs> I do. It's a very easy answer, too. It's not. Hey, I'm struggling. I'm hurt, Matt. I'm hurt. Yeah, it's really <laughs> easy, too. Yeah, shoe trees is so hard, Matt. Come on. I'm, I'm sorry you were, like, you're explicitly tied to literal ideas. Uh, it's not. Is it not? It's the, the Redwoods, Sequoia. It, Sequoia National Park. I don't know. That's my answer. That's all I got. I'm afraid it is the Springfield National Forest. Oh, is it not the Sequoias? No. It is not. Uh, I thought it was. I swore it was because it was all about mining uh, out of like uh, the uh, Mount Rushmore. And I thought that they're going for the, I thought they went for like the easy target, like the another big national recognized Springfield National Forest. But I thought that was a different, all right, never mind. doesn't matter. I'm, I'm bad at this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, we tied for that. Neither of us got the hard questions. We did, but you still are two points ahead of me on the week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, With that, uh, we can move on to our final segment. It is time for Best Episode Ever. Best Episode Ever. Best Episode Ever is the part of the show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically as we watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. So, Matt, where do we put this one? It's a tough one. Uh, I think we've talked about a lot about Lisa the Vegetarian in this episode and how this is not as good. So I definitely think in sub-30. 
Well, yeah. I was going to put it way lower than that. Well, I was too. I just wanted to see, you know, what you're test the, test the temperature of the room. Is that what we're doing here? I would Basically, say, yeah. I would say this is one of those episodes that we like, but it has problems. Yes, right. Um, which you know, I would. It, it's down in the hundreds for me, frankly. And that's what I was thinking. I was like, the top hundred right now seem to be our episodes that are almost universally good. You get sub one hundred, you get to the ones where you're just like, there's something missing. I mean, there's a good place for this. I'm looking at Lisa versus Malibu Stacy, which I unfortunately think is a better episode because I really want an episode what? named Lisa the Skeptic to be good. Okay, yeah, it's one twelve. I say, yeah, I think it is lower than Lisa the Lisa versus Malibu Stacy. I think it's. Let's see, we got like. There's Lisa the Beauty Queen, uh, Lisa's Pony. I think both of those are, are better. Uh, I think Homer Defined is better. I think Flaming Moe's is better. I don't... Speaking of Fear of Flying, I, yeah. think, I think this is just better than Fear of Flying. Hmm. I don't know about just better. I think it's pretty solidly better than Fear of Flying, uh, but it definitely doesn't come close to Flaming Moe's, because Flaming Moe's... I don't know why Flaming Moe's is so low down here. Because we remember uh, all it's... the really great parts about it, and we kind of forget some of the not-so-great parts. Well, it's good to know that will continue to happen. So I'll forget the bad parts of Lisa the Skeptic and go back to enjoying it. <laughs> oh, it's not. You can enjoy it while still acknowledging its problems. It's okay to. No, Robbie, that's not how humanity works. <laughs> All right. Things All right. are perfect or terrible. I... You either hate it or you love it. There is no in between. I... I'm allowed to just kind of like stuff. You know, I do that a lot, actually. Heathen. I, I know evil. Uh, Lisa the Skeptic. That was easy. 125. I like that was simple. Flame Mose has a lot of great stuff in it. It also has problems in there along the way. I think that's what I that's what I recall. That was a long time ago now, but that's what I remember from Flaming Mose is that yeah, everyone loves Flaming Mose, like certain parts of it. And then you some parts of it aren't they don't work as well. It's okay. Flame Mose is still fun. I still like Flaming Mose. I still order that atrocity of a drink they order they they sell at Universal that has no fire. <laughs> Dry ice is good enough, Robbie. Mm, no, it's not. Number one on our list is still Homer's Enemy. Last on our list is still Homer's Odyssey. It will eventually be, re- be replaced, I promise. Or at least I'll push for it. Um, I think that'll do it for us. What's our next episode, Matt? Ooh, uh, let me pull it up. Let's see, where are we? Season 9. Uh, I believe. It's- oh, goodness, Realty Bites. How perfect. Those of you who are Patreon subscribers will know we just reviewed Glen Gary Glen Ross, so it'll be interesting comparison. I watched Relty Bites when we did that movie. And you think Lisa the Skeptic has some problems? Uh, I'm, I'm sure this episode. Uh, does. I'll tip my hand a little bit. <laughs> uh, pull your collar, uh, Andrew. Before you go, plug your stuff. Where should people check out? Well, first off, I want to thank you guys so much for having me on and letting me geek about the show with you uh, once more. Uh, one quick heads up for your listeners at consequenceofsound.net. We are currently working feverishly on an article ranking every Treehouse of Horror episode from best to worst. It's going to be posted in time for Halloween. So be on the lookout for that. And you'll be able to find a link to that article as well as links to all my writing from across the web at my website, which is theandrewblog.net. That's three words, theandrewblog.net. And you can also find me on Twitter at the Andrew blog. So thanks again, guys. Thank you for joining us, Andrew. I always appreciate when you join us. You can find everything on the show at thesimpsonshow.com. Links to everything there. Links to our Facebook, our Twitter, our RSS feed. Links to our Patreon if you want to show the show. A couple dollars really would appreciate it. Uh, you can find me online at Twitter, at Robbie Dorman. Uh, check out my other podcasts. 
Handsome Boys Comics Hour, about comic books, and the serial fanaticists. about lots of stuff. Recently had Andrew on there talking about Star Trek Discovery. We'll do another episode with Matt and Harry Potter eventually. Matt does not participate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember that? Matt does not participate in social media. There's a certain love of Patreon. Becca, you will not find him. That's true. After what has been happening recently, I have decided to live under the sea. Uh, me and Homer are going to go down. Uh, I will promise not to eat quite so many of the sea creatures as he does. So if you have a message, just whisper it to a fish. And if I like it, I'll I'll send you up a, a dingle hopper. What? A dingle hopper. You know the thing you use to comb your hair? I'm Robbie. I get your reference, Matt. <laughs> and I'm Matt. <laughs> keep Thank watch, you, Andrew. Keep watching The Simpsons. Hooligans. Shh.